Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. Here we are on another podcast episode. We got our boy, right? Childhood friend, writer, community organizer, accessibility expert, football head, Ahmed Habib, man. Hi, guys. My guys. Oh, man. Yes, guys. Oh, man. So amazing the to have you. Bone and Namco. What's going on? You guys were good? We're good, we're man. Good, we're good. All the Are way from Qatar. All the way from Qatar. Yeah, He's joining us. The, Amazing. That's right. That's right. So, how's it going, brother? Yo, man, I just wanted to start off by saying really how I, uh, I'm i really enjoying these episodes. Really glad and always uh, happy to support independent media outlets. I think we need more voices out there. I think a lot of the narrative is being kind of chewed up by big corporate media outlets and it's always good to have two intelligent smart passionate dudes like you guys out there talking about different topics you know and uh, i've really been liking the variety of uh, different guests that you've had i didn't check out the last guest but i believe he was a vet he was a vet that's right australia austrian special forces Heimo is uh it was okay. really interesting it was a really really good episode we talked about entrepreneurship motivation passion uh, it was really good, man. So hopefully everyone right, checks nice. it out. Uh, hopefully everyone yes. checks it out. But S-I-Y, it's amazing, man. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying to start the movement, uh, Hamoudi. We're trying to get it going. We're trying to get it going. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, definitely. I, I know sometimes when you start out, uh, it feels like you're kind of like a voice in the wilderness and no one's really listening. But uh, you just gotta push through that. Uh, notice that uh, you know whatever content you're putting out there, it must be having an impact on some of your listeners, and then. Those listeners or viewers will tell others, and that's how you slowly begin to create that footprint that you guys are uh, that you guys are working on. I mean, the thing is, man, just talking to you now and just seeing you on, it's just brings back so much memories. And to be honest, I don't even know where to start with you, man. Yani, for everyone to know, Ahmed and me go way back. Like he's literally my first childhood friend. We went to KG together, which is just wild. Um, that's right. We got into a little bit of trouble through our younger years and our older years. Um, so, you know, he's someone that I've always really admired, looked up to, extremely smart. You're very active and, and we'd love to hear more about it. And I think the viewers would love to hear more about it. But, uh, so much where, where, to talk about. Where do you want us to start, man? Tell us. Tell us. where. Well, where, I mean, also just to give viewers and listeners an idea, me and Basic are late. Uh, also go way back, right? I mean, I hooked up with Leif way, maybe a little way bit. back. Yeah, a little bit older than when me and Namir kind of met. When me and Namir met, we were barely out of toddler stage. Yep. But uh, when me and Bazig met, uh, I was more of a young, a fully formed child, let's say. But uh, both of these connections happened down the street from where you guys are right now, on the streets of Abu Dhabi. Uh, I'm actually in the process now of, and this is kind of an exclusive here for Stay In Your Lane. I'm in the process of writing a book. And what? I just uh, finished the chapter called Streetbound. And it discussed kind of like how the streets became a home for us. You know what I mean? 
all the way from Abu Dhabi up until we kind of reconnected in Mississauga, just on the outskirts of Toronto, Canada, and how those streets, you know, it was the only place that we could be, man. It was the only place that was big enough to kind of capture all the madness that we were going through. We, we, shaped us, we met at the skate park. Remember that? Yeah, man. For people that don't know, we built the first half pipe in the UAE. We right. made a skate film. We made that's a skate right. film in the early 90s that's, that's no longer there. It's just a thing of kind of like, it's this kind of like magical mystery that no longer exists. What was it called? Years. Gulf Skates? I think it was called. Something like that. And it's funny you mentioned that. Just like less than maybe a week ago, I was thinking about well, who has that footage? Who has that VHS tape right now? I would Feroz Ayub has it for sure, all the way in Amman. Feroz Ayub, share Feroz. that, share that with yeah. us, man. We need to see shout that. Shout out, action. shout out to Feroz. Gotta, yeah, so we gotta, were, I mean, we were kids in Abu Dhabi, and like we were kind of like just trying to like figure it out for uh, for ourselves. Abu Dhabi at that time was quite cut off from the rest of the world. It's not like what it is right now, kind of like an epicenter True. for pop culture and all these artists and stuff. And we were just trying to figure it out. You know, kids would go to the states and come back with skateboards and. We were all into it. and Powell, we were trying to Tony Hawk. You remember that? That's man? right. That's right. And I remember also as kids, you know, we were always, we were also consuming a lot of these like breakdance videos, breakdance movies that were coming out of the States and hip hop tapes. You see, see that? Right. that he, so this is, we're, we're starting, look, we're starting off on the wrong foot already. <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not the case. So this wasn't in the script at all, but I'm going to put it out there right now. Ahmed has to be the worst breakdancing judge ever. He tortured me as a child. Me and my brother, Laith, who's not this Laith, although Laith is my brother, but my real brother, my blood brother, Laith. Uh, shout out to Laith. Um, we used to have breakdancing competitions, and Ahmed used to sit and judge it. And I would lose every single time. And you know why I would lose? It was a fixed gig. Right? He 100%. was scared. He was, he was scared that my brother was going to beat him down. And that was <laughs> That's it. That's right. Man. That's right. Less, lesson number one, right? Always uh, let the bigger guy win. <laughs> Torture. You tortured me, man. I have a lot of confidence issues because of that. But you know what? I was also and, thinking, I, I was sorry, I, I was thinking about it. It's like I met Lace for the first time at your Ahmed. place. Through Ahmed, right? In, in Canada. Saga. In Canada. That's right, man. When we all reconnected in Saga in the early 90s, we were kind of like once again displaced, you know, these like diasporic youths trying to find home away from home, away from home, away from home. And we ended up in Saga and we ended up building this huge family that uh, replaced uh, all these things that we were searching for, all these things uh, uh, that were lost. And uh, it was just the beginning of a beautiful journey. And our lives continued to be intertwined. And, you know, so many names come to mind that are still there. And, you know, you ended up marrying someone. Besma, shout out to Besma. We met Besma what, there what, as what, well. What? Right, Leith is there. I mean, it's just crazy. This whole crazy. family that it's we crazy. got to build uh, in the diaspora, and I think that's something beautiful and a testament to the power of community, which is True. why yep. I uh, I work on the community organizing front as well. And I I love that. And I was just you know the Shakumaku movement, you know, for everyone to know was something that I was a part of when it first kicked off. If you remember, we set up independent Arabic media, and we got that you know, really going in the beginning. And I feel as though, and I always tell people, I feel like we were way, way ahead of it. Like people just weren't understanding the power of online media, the power of that presence. And we just, you know, we built such an amazing platform. And 
like I said, a little bit ahead of our time, but I'm so glad to see that you're just, you know, you're building on that, you're moving on that. And it's such an amazing movement. And we always try to, you know, try to support it and try to be there for you, man. And it's just yeah. really wonderful. Well, I mean, you know, Sekumakunet, next year, in June of 2021, I can't believe I'm even saying 2021, is going to be celebrating its 20th year, bro. We launched Sekumakunet. In 2001, we built that website on Notepad. You know, I don't know if any of the kids listening out there know what Notepad oh. is. It's that it's that little app on your computer <laughs> where you type notes. Yeah. But you can design websites in that. And we were doing that. And you're right, man. We were way ahead of our times. And it was actually a disadvantage for us, too, because yeah. we didn't know really how to get it out there effectively. And the audiences really didn't know how to receive it as effectively as well. But we're pushing through now, making use of Instagram and social media. and um, you know, we're trying to build on it. Um, you know, working around issues surrounding Iraq has always been something that's close to all of our hearts in different ways. So it's something that I'm really glad to be continuing to work on. And, and this is, you know what, I think it's a really good starting point, man, is, is to talk about the Shakumaku story, about what message you're, you're trying to put out. I think it's just an amazing thing, as you've highlighted already, Annie. We're, we're all Iraqis originally. We're all displaced one way or another. Uh, and and it's just kind of it's a voice for those displaced Iraqis, and that's the way I see it, and that's the way I experience it. Uh, but it's just such an amazing movement, you know what I mean? For for that, I think deserves a little bit of attention. You know, it's something that it's a baby. Uh, like I said, I felt I feel very connected to it, and just to see you continue with it is just un- unreal. For you know, tell us yeah, about I it. Mean, you know, where, where are you going uh, with it? What are you trying to do with it? And in, in the year 2000, I got kicked out of university in Toronto. And uh, it was probably because I was doing a lot of things that students shouldn't be doing uh, and focusing on extracurricular activities. So the school's like, ah, oh, fuck this. This guy's got to get out of here for a year to get his life together. So my dad was like, uh, you're coming out to the Gulf. And I was at, like the peak of like my revolutionary awareness and stuff. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to the Gulf. And you know, being cooped up in like air conditioned homes and I can't do that. He said, well, okay, but I'm not going to let you stay in smoke filled Toronto for one year and waste a year of your life. So you got to make a choice. So I said, you know what? I want to go to Baghdad. And I'm like, he's like, no, no, no one wants to go to Baghdad. Now we're talking about a situation where it was the peak of the sanctions. People were lining up for chicken. People were lining up for eggs. There was no medication in hospitals. We're talking about a situation where there was a mass genocide that was taking place, but still I was adamant to go. So I ended up going to Baghdad and living there for about nine months to a year, uh, staying at my aunt Emel's house. And it was just a life-changing experience for me because all of a sudden I was faced with them kind of uh, directly with an identity that for a very long time had been such a huge part of who I am. But mm. now it was everywhere. Like everyone was speaking out. It was real. It was real. It was real. So uh, it was a life-changing experience for me on many, many different levels, spiritually, emotionally, political awareness-wise. So um, right after then, I actually flew out to see my parents and my sister, Hadil. Shout out, Hadula. Hadula. Uh, and I were talking. Um, we were talking and uh, I'm like, yo, let's do something on this thing they called the web, the internet. I think people are doing websites. <laughs> the web. Uh, yeah. I don't w- know what w- it is. W- it looks, yeah. We'll do some WWW something. I don't know. Amazing. It looks cool. Let's do it. Uh, and she came up with the name Shikamaku. Like I said, we built it on Notepad. And the purpose of it was to create a platform, a digital platform 
for Iraqis in the diaspora to be able to communicate the way they felt about their identity, uh, to kind of share stories from our history, from our culture, to talk about sports and soccer and recipes and music. And um, like you said, Namir, so rightfully so, we were so much ahead of our time that we didn't know how to update the website. The website would go offline yeah. for months, sometimes years. We didn't have the technical skill to kind of like build it or, or keep it going. And it would just disappear and come back and disappear and come back. And then at the 10th anniversary of the Iraq war in 2013, we brought it back up to life uh, and it's been uh, going since then. So uh, we're on a good eight year stretch. I think it's good, wow. knock on wood. Amazing. And uh, Amazing. I think we're going to keep it going. I'm working with a group of designers now based in Holland, based in Scotland, young Iraqi uh, women designers, and we're going to rebrand and redesign uh, the website and bring it back to life as well. So it's going to keep going uh, ever so strong. We're also doing a lot of um, uh, Zoom events. Um, we're bringing together hundreds of people for live performances, DJ uh, shows, fundraisers. So it's really kind of like ballooning beyond the digital platform or the website aspect of it and becoming a real platform for young Iraqis. And I cannot tell you the amount of messages that I get every week from people who are thanking us for the work that we do by connecting them with other Iraqis, people that are in diaspora, Iraqis from Sweden that are living in Mexico, Iraqis that are living in the States, everywhere around the world saying, thank you, thank you for this platform. So we're really excited for it to keep going. When are you going to start a podcast, man? That's really the question. Well, Leith asked the question. I think, uh, you know, it needs yeah, it, I deserves that, it, man. People I think uh, I've learned uh, a lot uh, over the last few years of my life, which is overstretching and managing my bandwidth and managing my time. So in addition to Shakamal Connect, um, we're also launching, I was telling Leith before we got on the air, we're launching an independent Iraqi film festival because I really think that film is such an important medium. And of course, Namir, you've done so much work on that area with uh, Sedhu Productions. And um, yeah. uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about your film as well. And, and, and you know the importance of film. So we're trying to launch a virtual online festival um, that's going to be kicking off hopefully um, over the next month. Um, the festival will also include a variety of different initiatives like Soundscape Project. You want to collect sound, found sound from Iraqi cities, from Iraqi homes in the diaspora. We want to create a library of sound. We want to do um, some virtual uh, art shows, maybe some things connected to Iraqi cinema, talks, uh, teach-ins. So it's keeping me quite busy, to be honest, and I should be paying uh, a lot of attention to that. Of course, other than all the, the day job stuff as well. So a lot of things keeping me busy. Well, that's the thing about the Iraqi culture. There's no shortage of content. Um, being music, film, art, um, you name it, and goes way, way back. And I think the new generation is, is finding their new identity um, through 100%. the Iraqi culture with that. I think, Shekumak, one of the great things I like about it is um, most of your followers are diehard, real, true, like fans, soldiers. They're, they're, they're yeah. organic, real fans. It's not like somebody that's just going to join because they want to join. It's people are interested in most of the content that you've been putting out. Yeah, and, 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 and that's why you'll see that, you know, our footprint, relatively speaking, is quite small compared to a lot of the other kind of digital platforms that are out there. But we're very happy with the level of engagement that we get. Like you said, Leith, um, uh, very rightfully so, 
you know, all of the people that follow us are constantly messaging us and sharing the content and, and, and retweeting or uh, reaching out. One of the beautiful things as well, man, has been the ability to work with creatives inside the country. Uh, recently, a few days ago, we put up a video uh, about Rofranj, the 33-year-old baker in Baghdad, breaking gender stereotypes. That film was entirely produced by filmmakers, husband and wife team. Shout out to Sajjad and Seja. Uh, they're in Baghdad. They're making films for us at Shakamaku.net. And uh, it's been a beautiful journey to kind of be able to reconnect uh, with Baghdad in that way. But man, listen, Iraq is uh, Iraq is everywhere, man. It's from Mosul to Melbourne, from Baghdad to Brisbane, uh, Basra to Brampton. It's everywhere, man. And, you know, so it's a beautiful thing that uh, we're just really honored to be a part of. Do you find um, non-Iraqi uh, people joining or or or? you know, interested in some of the content that's being put out there? Is it is it going outside of the Iraqi community that's living in Iraq or outside of Iraq? There's always that layer of people that work in and around Iraq that are not Iraqi. So they're very much uh, interested as well. You know, people that work in UNESCO and UNICEF, people that work in NGOs that are kind of, you know, working with uh, kids in Iraq or working to support civil society in the country. They're always are reaching out to us and very interested in the content that we're um, uh, putting out there. At the same time, man, in 2003, let's not forget, the movement to protest the war on Iraq was truly, absolutely global. Correct. It shaped pop culture. It shaped hip hop. Yeah. It shaped a lot of films that came out. Remember Michael Moore? Remember a lot of the stuff that was coming out then? So yeah, a lot of people are influenced and, and, and know about Iraq. At the same time, Iraq went through a lot of violence since 2003. A lot of people were jaded. You know, A lot of people thought that Iraqis were just naturally violent, trying to kill each other because of their sectarian allegiances. So a lot of people were maybe a little bit put off by it. But yeah, more and more we're engaging with people who are non-Iraqi. And it's uh, part of the work that we do as well. And of course, you know, our, our viewers and listeners should know we're one of the few, if not the only platform that does this in the English language. And, uh, you know, True. there are a lot of people out there that are doing great work in Arabi, but uh, we're doing it in English. And I think that puts us in a good position also have a special place in people's heart and whenever you talk Amazing. about whenever you talk about these kind of like different things i always remember the story of you going to venezuela right and, and i i think it's such an interesting kind of interaction that you had there uh, what a wonderful place wonderful support that we got out of a country that's suffering in the same way right so you know that that I think there's so many amazing stories that came out of that and I, you know i think it deserves a little bit of attention Tell us about yeah. that, man. What year Shout was that? Out to, that? That was 2005. Shout out to Habibi Hamoudi, of course, because he was with me on what, that what? trip. What, what? And um, one of the greatest things that had happened on that trip, so we were there for this huge festival called the World Festival of Youth and Students, and they had this opening ceremony in a football stadium in Caracas, in the capital of Venezuela. And there must have been you know, over 15,000, 20,000 people at the stadium. And um, you know, they were kind of calling out countries one by one. We were in the Canadian delegation, but me and Hamdi both had this epiphany before we walked out into the stadium being like, man, yeah, you know, Canada's home to us and we have so much love for Canada and, and, and all that it's done for us and our families. But at the same time, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True blue Iraqis right here. So we need to go and find the Iraqi delegation <laughs> and take a hold of that flag and walk out onto the stadium with the Iraqi flag, because I think that's how we're going to better remember this experience. So we walked, we went through A, B, C, D, all the way to I, and we found this one lonely dude carrying <laughs> the Iraqi guy. flag. He's like, a, he, he was a German Iraqi who could barely speak any English. And we went up to him and we're like, yo, man, do you mind if we walk with you? And I remember very, very clearly, the first thing he said to us was, what political party are you from? And Hamdi oh, wow. and I were wow. so offended <laughs> by this because we felt that it was such a reflection of the sectarianism that was going on. We were we were hoping that he would welcome us with open arms and be like, Habibi, uh, come so of course. And then that's when I had to revert a little bit to my street that's education. I'm like, bro, I recommend you give me the flag now in a peaceful <laughs> manner. Let me take the Iraqi flag, me and Hamdi. Let's walk. Show you what party I'm from. Let me let me yeah. take this, this, the Iraqi yeah. flag. You step to the side, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> Don't worry about this. I got. And this. the man, the man was genuinely terrified, which I, which I, 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 uh, I give him credit for. We took the flag, bro. We reach this like tunnel or or this lineup, rather, not a tunnel. It feels like a tunnel. And they call out the name Iraq. This is 2005, bro. The stadium erupts. For sure, man. Like Messi's walking onto the stadium, <laughs> okay? They start chanting, Iraq, amigo, Cuba, está contigo, Iraq, our friends, Cuba is with you. The Argentinians start going crazy. Hugo Chavez stands up and pumps his fist in the air Unreal. as wow. we're walking by. Bro, Unreal. me and Hamdi were out of this world nine two two suburban kids you know what i mean we took a plane with 200 people from toronto 200 people from different progressive organizations in the city came out to venezuela to show solidarity with the people of venezuela you know in their struggle for economic justice uh, indigenous rights uh, better access to health care and education so we were out there trying to do that but this whole experience and then man all of a sudden we became these celebrities of the festival. People would come out and try to interview us. Yeah, right? People would come out and try to interview us and say, yo, how are things um, um, for you in Iraq, the community outside of Iraq? So it was a beautiful experience for us. One of many, many, many uh, life-changing moments that have uh, accompanied this tumultuous relationship with, uh, with this identity called, uh, called Iraq. And I'm sure everyone out there who's listening who's Iraqi or knows Iraqi people will know how intense their relationship is with their uh, with their identity. So it was it was another step. And thank you for reminding me of it. Yeah, man. I was just because I was also remembering. You know, we're we're, we're big hip hop heads. I'm a hip hop head. Leith kind of dives in and out of it. I dabble. He, he dabbles around in it, right? But also, you connected with, I think, one of the best lyricists out there, right? So uh, put it out. M1. There, 
Immortal Technique, Kanon. We were all there Technique. We were all there together. M1, Immortal Technique, Kanon. There's a video of me and, 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 and M1 freestyling on the Shakumaku.net Vimeo channel if you want to go check it out. Um, Immortal Technique, bro, is, is a crazy, crazy, crazy lyricist and a crazy individual in real life. I'll tell you a story about me and Immortal Technique. One night, me and Hamdi were in the hotel room and it must have been like two in the morning and, and, and this guy calls me and he's like, yo, Iraq. Mortal Technique used to call me Iraq. <laughs> and I was like fangirling hardcore. You know what I mean? I believe <laughs> that Immortal was calling. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Immortal? You want me? He's like, yo, come down. So I'm like, man, this is going to be one of these moments where if I come down, we're going to go out there, smoke on the pool, chill, cipher. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. I go down to the lobby and Immortal Technique is there. And he's like, yo, there's been a problem. The Libyans have beaten up my buddy. Okay. And, so he's oh coming God. for the yeah. Iraqis for support. Like, yeah, he's like, you speak, like you speak Arabic. This story gets really crazy. He's like, you speak Arabic, and I want you to come out and help me speak to the Libyans. And you got to explain to them that what they did was wrong. Now, keep in mind, I had been keeping an eye on the Libyan delegation at this conference. It was like 300 men strong. Wow. Uh, these guys would be wasted slash stoned by like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. They'd be rowdy as hell. Lit up. And <laughs> as someone who's been on the streets and knows how to navigate these situations, I can tell the red flags and I shouldn't be getting into this in any way, shape, or form. But it is a mortal technique. And at this point, I am a fangirl. So I said, yeah, man, let's go take care of this. So I'm me down. and him, keep in mind, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, we go and knock on this, we go and knock on You're this door. Me. You're breaking the party, right? Of all, of all men. Yeah, of all men. And the door opens and the guy recognizes me because I'm on a wheelchair and I'm easily recognizable. Remember what we were talking about with the whole Iraq celebrity status. He opens the door. He's like, Habibi, Kepalik, Habibi. And then Immortal Technique, for people that don't know him, has a really serious face. The man is a serious MC and a serious rapper. So he's standing there almost like a military man. And then he's like, yo, Iraq, tell him this. And I'm like, Habibi, Kepalik. At this point, I realize that I need to kind of like calm things down and not escalate them because it's not going to work <laughs> out for me or for Immortal Technique. All of a sudden, Immortal Technique breaks out into this tirade oh, about no, how he he's the it. king of hip-hop. In English, though, he's like, okay. tell this man that I'm the king of hip-hop and there needs to be African-Arab solidarity and what he did was wrong. And if we were back in New York, I would fuck him up and this and that. And he needs to check himself. <laughs> and the guys with him need to check himself. And he's I want them to pay it. for the hospital bill. So I mean, right away, I turn around to the Libyan guy. I'm like, hi, the best hi, the send him You just saying yeah, hi. He just wants yeah. to, he's just he's shouting out, wanting to say hi. Right. Want, I'm like, yo, one, this guy one. just wants to say what's up. You know what I mean? We just come in and say hello. He's like, come in, come in, come in. I'm like, no, nah, man, it's late, whatever. So Immortal's like, yo, what did you tell him? What did the guy tell you? I'm like, yeah, man, they're going to meet with you tomorrow in the lobby in the morning and, and, and work it out. So Thankfully, I got out of that, man. But uh, M1 is such a gifted MC as well from Dead Prez. Yeah. People out there who know Dead Prez mm, and uh, the beautiful all, song. Love yeah. Dead Prez, man. Actually, love you it. introduced me to Dead Prez in the mirror, I believe, yeah. a long Mind, time ago. Mind sex, hip-hop, man. Two yeah. classic songs that are coming out of their way, man. But Buzz, that. you're a hip-hop head, man. We, me and you used to ride in the big blue van and Bob Redman and Method Man all day long. No? You, you know, I love 90s hip-hop. You know, once, yes. once that era kind of evaporated i i've kind of lost interest and you know where my interest is it's, it's, and together we had we had we had something going on babylonia frequency of course yeah man you know yeah. Uh, uh, electronic music is such a beautiful way man to elevate the mind 
especially when the mind is already elevated, you know? So it's a very great, <laughs> so this is, a very this great is place. Mid nineties, Ahmed yeah. picks up this, this sick ass computer with specked out heart, um, music, ca- sound card, video card. Um, and we start doing our own mixing uh, on his Amazing. computer and we called it Babylonia Frequency. This yeah, shout out cr- to Ziad as well. Ziad Abdul Wahab, you see that yeah. on that as well. Z. So uh, music has been a big part of our lives, man, and hip hop. You know, I was also thinking the other day about hip hop and how when we landed in Toronto, man, in 1992, and I remember I landed in September and it was snowing and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? And, and, and how am I going to survive this? And hip hop and, and hip hop artists, man, were speaking in a language that, you know, we really connected with it because they were talking to power, right? Exactly. Just and they were just speaking with so much fire and finesse and they were young, criminalized black men living in ghettoized neighborhoods. And it was just really great to see, uh, to see Martin, that art form. And, and that's why Wu-Tang. we embraced it. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. Every time I see you later, I always associate Method you. Man. Method Man and Nas are the two. Nas? Always. Because that's the connection wow. I felt. Nas was amazing. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, movies. I mean, you're talking about best. some of the greatest uh, MCs uh, out there. And of course, yesterday we celebrated Biggie Small's birthday. Shout out to him, wherever he may be. Rest in power. Right? Yeah, rest in power. Yeah, man. Rest he was a big power. part of our upbringing as well, right? Biggie Smalls and all these artists and Another thing that you used to listen to as well that I know has died out and a lot of kids will have no idea what we're talking about is <laughs> freestyle, freestyle music. <laughs> you remember Stevie B? Stevie oh, B is like the Michael Jackson of freestyle. Like people don't understand. Yeah. Is he Turkish? Is he, where is he from? No, no. He's like, um, I want to say Moroccan maybe. Moroccan? I, gotta, I don't know if it was one of those situations where we projected his Arabness on him. No, 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 no definitely. No, he, he, no, think, definitely. Yeah. Without a doubt, he has some Arabic blood. I want to say Moroccan. What? I'm not sure. Yeah, without a doubt, for sure. Stevie B. Uh, again, if guys. You can name, gonna, if you can name a Stevie B song, I'll, I'll, I'll cut my ear off. Which one? Spring Love. Me? <laughs> oh, Spring Love, excuse me? You'll start breakdancing oh, right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Are yeah. Are you seriously challenging me to a freestyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can mix it into the, to the, to the end of this podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we can bring in some to find on, the exit, on the exit. <laughs> yeah. We can exit with a Stevie B kind of beat on the way out. And, 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 and that's where we grew up, man. It was like all these arrows with like gelled back hair and like, you know, black bomber jackets, riding civic hatchbacks, listening to... Uh, uh, Stevie B and like hip hop, and then you know, the odd time they would mix in some Depke or some Araki Hecha, and that's what we were, man. We were just wilding out on the street, man, trying to build a family out of nothing, you know. Unbelievable, man. It brings back so much memories. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? That's right, yeah. One of the best poets that I know, right, is Ahmed Habib. Who knew? Honestly, oh, thank honestly. you. Thank There's you, things thank you, that comes you. out of his mouth that kind of just makes you melt, makes you think. It's just thank you. That means a lot. Complete. That means a lot. No, honestly, man, and I say it, no bullshit. You know, I'll always talk shit to you, but for real, this is one of the skills that you have that I always feel needs. Yeah, needs, thank you need God. To put I mean, more I, energy I, into it, and you need to put it out there more, man. You don't do enough yeah, with it, honestly. Honestly, that's true. I took the skill of talking shit on the streets and, and starting fights with people and kind of, you know what I mean? Molded it into something that's a bit more, uh, that's a bit more productive, but, uh, yes, thank you. Spoken word has been, a, has been a big part of my life as well, because it gave me, um, this ability to kind of like, uh, put things out there to create a story actually with spoken word as well. I used to do a lot of freestyling up at York university campus in Toronto. And 
I used to get lifted mentally and go out there and battle kids for it. And of course, <laughs> me being in a wheelchair, me being in a wheelchair, when I used to go up to like people freestyling, they used to kind of all look at me like, you know, I'm skiing, hot on, poor guy, yeah. right? Let him just get in there. And then, you know, with the beat, the, you know, the beatbox, I would them. get in there and I would murder kids. You Destroy. know what I mean? So one day, this like massive Guatemalan dude, massive, like six foot six, maybe even, uh, El Poeta Spin, shout out wherever he is right now. He came up to me and he's like, bro, you know, you're a really good um, MC, but do you know how to write? And I was like, man, writing is not real hip hop. You know, you just got to let it flow from the mind. You got to let it from. He's like, bro, if you can't write, you're not an MC. You're not a real poet. You're not a real hip hop artist. You're just talking wow. shit. You know what I mean? Wow. You're just like spinning lines and shit and keep in mind again you know this guy is a massive dude like six foot six kind of towering <laughs> on me like this i'm like bro whatever man i can't write i don't have time for writing whatever he's like listen man if you want if you want to be a proper artist you need to start writing and i'm holding these classes on campus for up-and-coming mcs that if they want to write and i was like whatever man i'm too good for this in my mind i'm saying right i'm already an established like world star hip-hop freestyle <laughs> artist in my mind um yeah. but 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 through the miracle of um just being humble i guess at a certain point yeah. i went to his class and uh you know he was just talking to us a little bit about writing we started listening to some spoken word up until that point i really hadn't heard it to be honest yeah. and then he's like listen i'm gonna put on a show on college street in toronto in little portugal uh, at this like portuguese bar like a rundown portuguese bar and i'm gonna and, and you guys are all performing so I was just like, yeah, man, whatever. I'm out of here. I got to go back into like my own stardom where I'm the big head. Mm. And lo and behold, a few days later, I'm on campus. And then these guys come up to me. These girls come up to me. They're like, yo, Ahmed, man, we're so happy to see that you're going to be performing. I'm like, performing? Performing where? And they're like, yeah, you're performing at Spins Thing downtown. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, uh, yeah, look at that poster behind you. Your name is <laughs> That's how you found out? That's how you found out? Yeah, he put up my name, bro. He put up wow. my name on the post. I'm like, what is this? What are you doing? And um, uh, I look at the poster and it was, I think, for like two or three days away. And I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. I'm just going to go in there and wing it. You know what I mean? Typical, and just like freestyle. Typ right? Typical style. Typical. 100%. Like but then a few hours later, I bump into Spin. And then Spin has a reel. He's like, yo, you ready, for, you ready for Thursday or whatever day it was? You ready? I'm like, yeah, man. No, no, no. He's like, no. Are you ready? Do you have something written? You can't come in there. And freestyle, it's not a freestyle show. You know what I mean? There's going to be no beats. It's going to be you and um, the microphone and an audience. And so I'm like, yo, man, don't worry. I got it, man. And at this point, I'm shitting my pants. <laughs> I've, never written, I've never written a poem in my life. So um, the day before, uh, I was wandering around campus with Visine. And <laughs> I ended up at, on a on a like a computer library sorry a library computer um in the middle of the hallway and i'm like i just need to sit down and write something so i went into my hotmail at that time and i opened up the hotmail and i sent it as an email to myself you know what i mean yeah because i had no access to like microsoft or i didn't have a laptop at the time i was whatever i was out there so i wrote um who knew and it went uh it starts oh, off with, I'm on a mission. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, I it love, it. Do, do, with, love it. do it. Do it, do it. Yeah, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to debunk renditions of corrupt politicians, examine how Arabs were once mathematicians, but now we're wishing that they are fishing with American diplomatic missions. 
I wrote that because I'm like, you know, I need to like, I need wow. to tell them why I'm here. I'm on a mission. And then I was just so sick and tired of Arab sellouts. So I'm like, I want to talk about how Arabs were once mathematicians, but now we're wishing that they are fishing with American diplomatic missions. So that's how I started it off. And of course, I have those three key who knews in the end. The first one being who knew that the sky can turn pink and the sun can sink into the earth where things of the greatest worth give birth to every verse that I disperse and find myself inside it immersed. Mm-hmm. I wrote that. I wrote that line, I remember, I wrote that line after I sat down at the library. I was at my then-girlfriend's house, Jenny. My wife is not Jenny, but this is another Jenny. We're <laughs> on like, 500. You're keeping it yeah. within the Jennies, keeping it nice right. and easy. Yeah, I like it. Jenny for life. So um, uh, I was at 500 Mary Ross in North York, and I was looking out the window and this beautiful Toronto like sunset, you know, where the sky turned pink. And the sun would sink into the earth where things of the greatest worth give birth to every verse that I disperse and find myself inside of the verse. You know what I mean? So uh, I wrote that line. And then the next who knew that I wrote was who knew that the soul I left in Baghdad I would search for in zigzags and body bags would be a gift to my people. Their souls are not so feeble, and with every evil achiever, there was born a believer who through words can conceive a viva Iraq. But now that the birds are back, I think I saw a dove with the whole weight of the world on its back. Again, I mean, I wrote that because, Unreal. yeah, that soul Unreal. that I lost, I, I was searching for in, in, in zigzag. It's from the heart. Bags it's, with, it's from the heart. Right. Honestly, honestly. That's so when right. You, when you say this, like, <clears throat> it really makes me want to, like, connect with people that connect with you. So that interaction you had with that individual, right, that promoted and pushed you, shoved you into that, brought out such an unbelievably beautiful thing. Yeah, man. And, and those are the kind of moments that we all, you know, we, we walk through life uh, and there are people that just kind of stand out in the movie that we call our life, right? And we're the stars of our own little picture. 100%. Um, and, and like you said now, how many years on, you remember that individual that pushed you and created and opened up a new platform for you and this amazing skill that you had in you, but you didn't want to, you didn't want to recognize or you just didn't appreciate or understand that it was there. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Like unbelievable. Matt, you know me, you both know me. I'm a man of many individuals. I brought many, many individuals into our circle. You know what I mean? We can have, we can have a whole. Oh my god! We can have a whole podcast series about the types of individuals that I've uh, that I've brought. But it's the always been because of characters, this. Yeah. the shadiest you know? characters I've ever met um, in my life were associated with this man right here across from me on the Zoom. I'm just gonna put it out there. I've always wanted to bring in people who pushed me, who challenged me, who made me hate life, who made me love life, who you know just added a lot of uh, color. Uh, to the world that I lived in. And I think it's a strong testament that our friendship, right, that throughout all these individuals that we've been through, and you guys have also been on some crazy journeys and been around the world professionally, and you know what I mean, that uh, we've always stuck together. For people that don't know me and, uh, and, and, and Leif. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, and Amir and, and a bunch of other people. We're in contact daily on WhatsApp and calling each other daily. And this has been a friendship that's been going on for me and Amir up 40 years almost. Me and Leif, yep. you know, over 30 years as well. So I think it's a strong testament to that connections that people build don't take them for granted make sure that you give them a lot of love true, true. make sure you try to put in a lot in this is it on i think this is it i, I think i think you know that's you know I'm, I'm i'm a little bit philosophical today whenever i'm in this kind of setting and i have people that are so close to me that, I, that i've known for such a long time people that are really important to me late Ahmed, our best man in the room. She's listening in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout best man's an OG too, bro. She's an OG big time too. OG, big time OG. But yeah. it really, it really just makes me kind of take a step back and, and you know, really appreciate the moment, the people around you, the influence that they have on you. And then also to, to again, take a step back and appreciate and see how fortunate you are to have people that love you and care for you. And, and have that positive influence on you, right? Like as much yeah. bullshit as we talk and we, we joke around and whatever it is, I think throughout life, we've always pushed each other and, and kind of mm-hmm. helped to encourage and develop. And, and yep. you know what I mean? And, and it's just such an amazing thing. And I think people always as a whole, right? And I'm talking to everyone out there. You need to to really, you know, absorb that and take that and don't take it for granted because it's such a wonderful thing. You know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah, I'm getting a little emotional just being here. No, man, it's the truth, man. You know, if I can just go back to where we started uh, when I was talking about this book project, I'm already plugging my book and I haven't even written Plug it yet. It, That's how you Plug know it. I'm it the big head. But um, one of the things that I spoke about being on the streets and being with you guys, you, Leith, other Leith, Hassan Shubbar, people that I grew up with, you know, is the fact that you guys pushed me as a kid with a disability to maneuver an able-bodied world. And of course, that's something that I've been working on as well in addition to the work that I do on Iraq. I work around issues of accessibility with people with disabilities as well. But growing up as a kid in a wheelchair in the 80s in Abu Dhabi was not easy at all, right? You know, we're talking about a situation where the city was not accessible, people's mentalities were not accessible, but we were always out there on the streets, you know what I mean? Uh, Playing soccer, skateboarding, talking shit to people all the time. Yeah, but bro, you talk about, you know, we're pushing you. It, it goes the way other way around as well. Like your personality, your drive, your motivation, your passion yeah. has fueled all of us in a way that you, I, don't, I don't think you realize it. Um, I've never, ever, 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 ever thought of you as less of a person physically, mentally, whatever it is, uh, because of who you are, because of the personality that you carry. 
and it's been but it's been motivating all of us throughout our childhood. Yeah. But you should know a big part of that comes from the fact that I was able to play with you guys on the street. You know what I mean? And, and a big part of that, of course, comes to my parents as well because they were just like, "Yo, go out on the street with these kids and whatever." do whatever these kids are doing, get in trouble, fall off your chair, get beaten up, beat up other kids, do whatever needs to be done. You know, a lot of other parents would have maybe been overprotective and been like, no, stay at home. You're in a wheelchair. How can you go out? So I'm just trying to say that that, like that experience of our friendship was so life changing for me that uh, uh, it's something that I feel uh, that I feel to this day. Such an unbelievable thing, man. I honestly, I, I, I can thank Ahmed for teaching me how to fight. Because Ahmed, when we were kids, had the wildest mouth I've ever heard. And he would... Till today. Oh, till today for till sure. Today. But he would use that thing like a missile. Yep. And he would mess with people. And then we'd have to feel the wrath. And by default, we taught ourselves how to fight. So thank you, Ahmed, for teaching me how to take care of myself. Right? My pleasure, man. It would have been and a much for more innocent care of me. It much it would have been a much more innocent childhood. I feel had it not been right. for your influence. And what a crazy journey! What a crazy journey! We we met in Abu Dhabi. You moved to Canada, and you know Canada is one of the bigger countries out there in the world. The one city that you end up in by fluke. We migrate what to Canada years later, and we land in the same city. And I remember two years. Days. Was it two years later? Yeah. yeah, I landed in 92. You came up in 94. And you came three years after me, 89, is, right? So yeah. This is before email. This is before uh, phones. We were faxing each other back and forth. Do you remember that those days? Sending faxes? Yeah, man. We land in Canada, and then we carry our friendship. Then you move to the GCC. You land in Qatar. And then years later, I find myself back in Qatar. Yeah, man. Or in Qatar, not of back course. in Qatar. Yeah. So it's 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 a, um, an unbelievable journey, and I'm so thankful to have experienced it with you. And yeah, man, and yeah. and so many people um, would be so envious, man, of the kind of relationship that we've had. To be honest, because you know people are so regularly isolated in today's world. You know what I mean? Finding especially in today's alone. world. Especially yeah. in today's world, right? We're living in this but, wild movie-like thing that's happening around, man. Oh man, I'm so correct. excited about your book. I can't wait. I can't wait. Right. To it. It's going to be fun. I mean, it's really nerve wracking. So what ended up happening is about 10 years ago when the Arab Spring was popping off, I was doing a lot of writing for Al Jazeera at the time, writing about football and, and Palestine and film. And uh, a friend of mine, Matthew Cassell, uh, who's a remarkable filmmaker and journalist with Vice, um, had reached out to me and said, yo, listen, man, I'm writing a book. I'm putting together a book about the Arab Spring, and I'd like you to write a chapter for it. And um I just was not in the right headspace at the time, man. And, you know, I just really couldn't put it together. Um, But a few weeks ago, uh, maybe even just under a month, the same literary agent that was working on that book had seen one of my Facebook posts and she reached out to me and she said, yo, I can see that you've been doing a lot more writing again. Why don't we give this or why don't we try to reconnect and see what you're writing and and things like that. And I was like, you know what, man, I just got to make this happen. I got to do it. I've had such a tough year with so much loss. And, you know, times are so uncertain right now. Uh, life is so fragile that um, I just got to make it happen. So every day I, I asked, you know, a, a very good friend of mine, Sidan Antoun, is a remarkable Iraqi writer. I really hope you guys check out his work, award-winning Iraqi writer. 
I said, yo, Sinan, man, how do you write a book? And he's like, what do you mean? How do you write a book? You just write. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, honestly, that's my advice. To you. you have to write every day. If you write every day, the book will come together. If so you write you sporadically. Are you journaling? So, so, is, it, is it journals or is it, how's, how's the process? I, uh, I put together an outline. I want to do a mix of poetry and prose. I put together an outline of the sections that I want to have. Uh, first of all, I talk about home. I talk about the streets. I talk about the meaning of love. These are the first three sections of the book. And between them, there are some poems, some lines of poetry that I've written. And every day I force myself, I put on my headphones, I put on music that uplifts me, and I just start writing. And honestly, it's the most painful thing I've ever done because it's filled with self-doubt. You know, we live in a backspace culture anyway, where you write five words and then you backspace it. So it's very, very uh, uh, difficult, but I'm happy to say that I'm making some headway. I think I should have a first draft ready by the end of June. So let's see, let's see where wow. it goes, right? You never know. You never know. I, you better represent me properly in your freaking book, man. I, mean, I want like my name. Should I drop names in there? Of course. I mean, I'm ready to be dropped. I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there. And I think we've all taken a yeah. decision to put ourselves out there because I think we have such a beautiful... What if some people out there are like, yo, we're going to lawyer up. Why did you represent me as this? You know what I mean? <laughs> This is being documented right Fair now enough. and, and yeah. it's going to be you know, on YouTube. So all right, all right, all right. It's all right. Out yeah, there. yeah, yeah. No, I will definitely, man. You it have, has been such a big part of my journey. So definitely you're in there. Do you have a title or is it a working title? Have you, have no, actually, the, the, the document is called Untitled by Ahmed Habib. And I might keep that. I might keep that as the title of the book because I really think right. it's difficult to put a title on the different layers of our experience and our journey collectively and, and, and individually, you know, when Namir was asking me to kind of like introduce myself for this amazing podcast that you guys are putting together, it was a bit of a challenge, not because of some kind of like amazing prolific dude, but it's just because me and Namir and your relationship are so multi-layered, multi-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in the few minutes that we've been speaking right now we've uncovered so many parts of this relationship yep it was difficult to be like well what am i going to talk about am i going to talk about my professional work am i going to talk about my shit disturbing life you know what am i and then it all kind of came together so i'm glad that we're able to do this discussion and hopefully it's the first of many then i mean an interesting thing now we obviously i know we know not a lot of people know is that you're kind of going into the football space now as well right so this huge amazing opportunity you're in Qatar World Cup is coming tell the world right you have this platform hopefully this platform grows so you have a voice man so put it out there this is an amazing thing I mean uh, football has been such a huge part of our lives man for people that don't know me and Namir and his brother late we used to watch videos of Pele uh, in their uh, <laughs> bedroom on VHS I'm talking about like 84 85 86 now talking about way back in the day Namir was uh, like an up-and-coming soccer star at American Community School of Abu Dhabi. Shout out to ACS, anybody out there listening. I used to come out to all of Namir's games, if you remember. And I used to always be the number one fan. And I loved football. My dad grew up on football. Namir's dad grew up on football. We've always just been football heads. And, you know, as this relationship with the beautiful game grew, I started to understand the intersectionality between the game and social and political and economic dynamics and how, you know, soccer influenced different communities and different political movements and vice versa and the economics of the game. 
So it became something that I was really passionate about. I began writing about football for Al Jazeera. Uh, I used to follow uh, the Iraqi team. I've interviewed uh, Bora Militonovic, who's like the coach that's been to the World Cup the most times with, with, with different teams, five teams. He was the coach of Iraq, head of the Confederations Cup. And um, football has been a big part of me. For the last 11 years, I've been working at, an, at a, a remarkable organization, which we can talk about later in the world of accessibility. But the opportunity came to me to switch to the World Cup Organizing Committee to work in the area of content development, English and Arabic language content development. And it was something that I couldn't pass up. The interview was actually really interesting as well because, um, again, I didn't want to apply for this job just because you guys know how it is, man, with job security and comfort yeah, zone. Of course. When you're especially, at a gig for 11 years, now. right? Especially now in this world, this environment, man, the last thing you want to do for a lot of people is to try to shift or try something new. But my friend Erica Stevenson, I hope she's listening uh, to this uh, uh, podcast, kept pushing me and saying, yo, man, you need to apply to this job. Just apply for this job. Send me your CV. What are you doing? Send me your CV. Let's just get this done. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just send my CV in just to like say I did it and it didn't work out. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a story that I can tell my friends afterwards. Um, lo and behold, Erica, of course, um, who's a brilliant writer and a media producer, long time with the BBC, long time with Al Jazeera. She really believes in my abilities to tell stories. So she was out there putting my CV in the right people's hands. Um, they called me for an interview. Again, no preparation. All I knew is how much I love football, <laughs> how much I love the game, how much I knew about world about the World Cup, right? And 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 how much I knew about like you know top goal scorers and the winner of every World Cup and where the World yeah. Cup was held every year since it was on. And then not only that, but like I knew about second division English football and I knew about <laughs> the Qatari League and I know about the Emirati League and I know about the Gulf Cup. So we're in the interview with this, um, again, really cool dude, uh, James, who's the um, senior content developer at the World Cup Committee. And we're just talking. He's like, bro, you know a lot about, about soccer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't yeah. call it soccer, please. Right. Please Sorry. don't do yeah. that. Don't about, do that, man. About so football. Foot and a ball. It's, the, it's that's, honestly that's correct. probably the easiest description yeah. in the English language that could be put out there. You kick a ball correct. with your foot. Yes, nice that's right. So, so we're talking and then he's like, I'm a Leeds supporter. I'm like, oh, yeah, Leeds. And, you know, Bielsa is your coach. And he's like, you know, the Leeds coach. I'm like, yeah, of course. And, you know, you guys are in the running to make it to the premiership. And Leeds is a great football club. He's like, Matt, listen, you know, I really need to have someone on the team that can both write and have this encyclopedic knowledge of, of football. Mm -hmm. He's like, can you write? So I'm like, I can write, yes. He's like, can you write an article for me who about knew? the Gulf who Cup? Who knew? That, that's when yeah. you dropped the who I knew on it. Like, right? I should have been like, yo, put on a beat, put on a beat. But um, so uh, he's like, can you write an article for me in the Gulf about the Gulf Cup? Because Qatar was hosting the Gulf Cup at the time a few months later. So a few weeks later, rather. So I was like, yeah, I can, I can write an article about the Gulf Cup. I've been watching the Gulf Cup since I was a kid. I know all the winners. I know how many times Kuwait's won. I know the Bahrain's number one. I know, I know all about the, the Gulf Cup. So he's like, can you have it ready for me in a week? I'm like, bro, I can have it ready for you now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can do the article right now. He's like, just relax, man. This is where the name um, Big Head comes from. That's right. He's like, just relax. Just give me the article tomorrow. 
lo and behold, I go home, I write an article in English, and I write the same article in Arabic as well. Mm-hmm. And I send it to him, and then he gets back to me. He's like, bro, we're going to make stop, this happen. Stop what you're but, doing, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the Gulf Cup's coming up. The FIFA Club World Cup is coming up. Christmas and New Year's are coming up. So I won't be back in touch with you for a few months. And I just kind of lost hope as well, you know, being like, man, this guy must have forgotten about me, whatever. It's all Wastok and vitamin W and all that stuff. But yeah, man, I um, found an email in my inbox from HR and they're like, yo, let's make this happen. And hopefully after eight, I'll begin my World Cup journey. So what a, see how what that goes. Amazing thing. And honestly, I'm putting it out there right now. If I if you don't give me some access to come and watch, <laughs> I'm gonna be hating on you. I'm gonna be oh, hating man. on you because yeah. it's a World Cup, man. Yeah, I mean, how many experiences do you get? It comes every four years. It's traveling around the world. We're very fortunate that we're gonna have it in our region. I'm really excited mm-hmm. for it. So, uh, so yeah. Well, the crazy thing is that the, the World Cup right after that is happening in our other region in yeah. USA, Canada, and Mexico. That's Correct. right. Correct. So we're gonna do back-to-back World Cups. Hopefully, hopefully by then we'll be back in that. Uh, we'll be back in Saga on Korea Drive. You know. Are they doing it winter time? Is this where the World Cup is going? This next one. That's is correct. It- yes. As a result of the elevated temperatures out here in the Gulf, uh, we're gonna be hosting the World Cup in November and December, which will be really interesting from a footballing perspective, as well, because you're gonna have the players in their peak form, mid-season, True. right? True. So usually the World Cup is a bit of. Um, an anomaly because a lot of the bigger teams struggle because their star players have played so many games throughout the season that when they come to the the, the World Cup, they're just exhausted. Burned so out. let's see yeah. how, yeah. Uh, how, how, how it plays how out. Did, Maybe Messi will get. How did they manage that? Because I'm sure the clubs must have been super sensitive about it, right? They're paying salaries. Uh, they're trying to keep them fit. They're trying to keep them going through the whole season. How, to give them up to the national teams, to put it out there and run the risk of injury. Uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I have no kind of background yeah. on how they sorted that out. What? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for all of us that have watched football all throughout the years, we know how important the World Cup is to players. Man. You know what I mean? And like, look at, a, look at a player like Leo Messi, who's, you know, arguably the best player of all time. Many people would say him or Ronaldo, you know, at the same, in the same breath. But there's always going to be that asterisk by their name, right? Is that they've never won a World World Cup. Cup. And they're going to always, you know, fall short of the comparison with Maradona and Pelé and these giants because those guys bossed the World Cup when they went there. So I don't think that we should buy the hype that um, the World Cup is in any way, shape or form a secondary tournament to club competition. Perhaps it is in terms of the economics of it. But I think for a lot of the players, man, and a lot of the fans out there, man, mm-hmm. you've seen football fans, man. I was lucky enough to watch uh, Argentina-Chile in the final of the Copa America that took place in uh, the United States a few years back, man. And, you know, watching Argentinian fans um, and Chileno fans out there with their national team, it trumps any kind of club support that's, uh, that's out there. It's crazy passion. So I really look forward to it. Uh, happening here and for the first time i'll be working during i mean i, I just me saying <laughs> yeah. that i'll be during that i'll be working during the world cup is is you know i kind of find myself i pinch myself every time i say it because you know as a super fan every four years when the world cup would happen i would stock up on you know the visine and the snacks and just turn out and do and do nothing 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thing ...and just veg and watch, you know, four games a day. Watch, like, Korea-Nigeria and get, like, really <laughs> all excited. Or, like, you know, Belgium-South Africa or, you know, Iran-Japan. I mean, Iran-Japan is place. So so now hold up you bring you're bringing up some names now so since we're on this topic we have a football expert we've got to put it out there right and I I'm going to put my feelings right so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Belgium right I think I think they have mm-hmm. a very strong team a young team super strong team right I think they have a good run at it um Portugal I feel Ronaldo is there he's ready he did the euro mm-hmm. I think he can push his team across the edge um and then obviously you have the French team which, which are coming into their own. They've already won the World Cup. Uh, and, and I think... I think there's one team that you're forgetting, I think, which is England. I think uh, English players are on the up and up. I'm not a big fan of the English football setup. I think there's a lot of issues with their fans, the traveling fans. Yeah. There's a lot of racism out there that they need to tackle. But I think that they have a, you know, a great batch of, of young players that are coming up. A lot of them play for the club that you and I support, Man United. You know, we have some really good forwards yeah. um, from Man United. We have some good for, uh, 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 players that we can see come out of England. But yeah, definitely France, man, is unstoppable. They, just keep, they keep churning out a lot of talent. Unbelievable and, um, talent. Unbelievable talent. It's just a tremendous but, uh, amount of talent. Yeah. But my soft spot, to be honest, if I can be biased a little bit, is always going to be for Brazil. And I think um, yep. just as a kid, as a kid growing up and just being enamored by the stories of Brazil and hearing about the legends of Pelé and then watching Brazil win the World Cup in 2002 and 1994 and yeah. being witness to that and just how dominant they were and this beautiful style of play that they bring and what a beautiful country Brazil is. And uh, Leif, you've been it's, to Brazil, haven't you? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to go twice to uh, Rio. Yeah, we, that we, must we be just Oh, it's, it's magical. It's, it's, it's a different world. It's a completely different. Yeah, world. man. I mean, so really, it's this weird. What's what's up with this weird affiliation, affinity between Iraqis and Brazil? It's such a weird. Every Iraqi I've ever met, aside yeah. from myself, and you know me, Ani, I'm in a weird way Spain through and through. I can't explain it. I don't know why. I always supported Spain before they became bro the powerhouse at the time. Barazili. Barazili. Right, I don't the, the and then and the then car. actually one of the yeah well one of the main cheers for the Iraqi team is they say Barazil al Arab Barazil al Arab so they say we're the we're the we're the Brazil of, Arab, of Arabs. Arabs and I mean yeah. listen uh, this is not something that comes out of nowhere but Brazil revolutionized the way the game was played right yep, uh, we were absolutely. talking about. People that um, you know brought uh, dance to the pitch. They brought so much flair to the football field, and just uh, you know, at the end of the day as well, a lot of these players are young kids um, that are growing up in horrible conditions that are reaching stardom because of their skill and their tenacity. So it's a it's a story that everyone uh, loves to support. So it's going to be a big, big um, dream of mine, man, to work in the World Cup, and I hope that. Um, 
I can come out there and tell really cool stories. You know, I really think that a lot of the time the World Cup story is wrapped up in some kind of like sterile yeah. corporate lingo, which I really don't like. And I really want to be out there with the fans, talking to people that have made this pilgrimage from their home countries uh, to Qatar to support their team. So hopefully I can, I can do that. Did you see the last dance? <laughs> so I'm watching goats. Yeah, goats. I'm watching. I'm I, I'm watching the last dance now. And again, you know, it really has been uh, an emotional experience for me because it brought me back to a lot of my friendship with you guys, right? Yeah. Because a lot yeah. of us, you know, didn't really tune into the NBA prior to Michael Jordan. It just wasn't something that we were kind of uh, tuned into. I was lucky enough to see the 72 and 10 team, the, the, the Chicago Bulls, uh, play yeah. in Skydome in Toronto when the Raptors beat them. The Raptors were one of the 10 teams um, that beat them uh, that year. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my, exactly. Mighty Mouse, uh, Damon Stoudemire lit it up. And we were in Skydome, man. And I was in the nosebleed. I think it was $2 tickets um, at yeah, Skydome. Yeah. They were just trying to get fans yeah. to come and watch it. That's right, man. I we remember barely see. Yeah, Toronto we barely see what was Toronto was not a basketball city. It was a shock for right. everybody when, 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 they, when they actually... And that was the first year I was actually in Toronto. That was that was the first year when the, when the it's 94 95 right season 95 I think yeah, yeah. I think maybe 95. one year after you 95 95, 95 96 yeah. 95 was the season I think so yeah I mean I I hope we're getting the year right I'm sure all the It fact is it is no 95 no for sure yeah. Yeah. yeah fact check it 95 I'm so trolls, sure yeah. yeah no no I got um, I got you trolls But Leif, you were a huge baller bro I remember that oh, you remember dude, that in for life. How life is a baller. He came, he, he, I was the guy that arrived in Canada and is like, where's, where's the, the draft? Where's, where's the lineup for the NBA? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that, man. I remember that, man. And he used to play for Applewood Heights, the high school. That's right. And then you had that coach, the cop. Our, our head right? coach was the cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I remember that, man. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, man. You <laughs> And I remember times. you playing ball. And, and, and man, I remember, you know, always with you guys both playing sports, Namir, you playing soccer, and Namir, you playing basketball. I just look up to you guys so much, man, and watch you guys out there on the right. field, bossing it, you know? So right. I remember you playing ball as well. And, you know, even even going out to hoop at Mississauga Valley um, at the, at the <laughs> community yeah. center. Shout out to Mississauga Valley, of course, yeah. right? You know what I mean? And, I uh, yeah, man, so I, I have been watching The Last Dance, and I think it's a really well-done kind of piece of film. I think it really tells the story from a multiple um, angle approach. And I think it's really cool for all of us to kind of take a deeper look into this pop culture icon um, that that emerged. And I mean, Michael Jordan did for basketball what the Brazilians did for soccer in many, many different ways. So it's Football, a really cool, uh, cool story definitely. to watch. I have to say it has been dramatized as a story. It has to be, of course, for, for the selling factor of, of, of the, the, the documentary. But you cannot underestimate what Jordan did to the game. I transformed him. Bro, the man uh, put the NBA on the global map. You know what I mean? Yeah. With all due respect to the people that were out there before him, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Isaiah Absolutely. Thomas, and all these guys. Absolutely. But we, are, we, we heard about these guys through Michael Jordan. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. But no. there's a lot of other players like Kareem. I, I, I show love to Kareem. I, I feel Kareem is probably the most underrated basketball player in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. He bossed and dominated every category you can think of. Anything that means something, he's there. It's in an unbelievable way. He's number one on the scoring. He's top three in rebounds. He's top 
three in blocks. He's just, he's there where it matters. And yeah. the guy mm-hmm. won, cha- he was a winner, winning championships yeah, for consistently. Sure. And just, I feel, I don't know, he was so subtle. His personality was so. That's, that's what it is. You know, kind of flowy, he kind of meshed in, yeah. didn't try to be, he didn't try to be a big kind of. No, 100%, persona. man. And, and for yeah. that, I feel he's been punished on that reflection upon who's the goat of basketball. Like, I don't know. I, I, I have that weird feeling about, uh, about Kareem. I and mean, I really feel that yeah. he doesn't get the love he deserves. He's not even the top. When people talk now, who do they talk about? They talk about Kobe. They talk about LeBron. They talk about Jordan. Yeah. Larry Bird. Yeah. Magic Johnson. And, and, and Kareem's not even there to be discussed, which is a shock. That's right. Yeah. It's a shock. But I wonder how much of that is also due to his name. He's putting that out there, too. I don't know. You think that's, so? That's a conversation to be had. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think at a time, you know, I mean, at the time where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing, bro, it was, it was pretty much a whiteout yeah, in the true. sports scene in, in the USA. So, I mean, for a man to come out there with a name like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, must have been uh, a mouthful for these dudes from, like, Nebraska and Oklahoma to be like, who is this guy? I mean, I know it was, I know it was pre-9-11 and all that stuff, but I'd be interested to see what kind of impact that is. Well, but yeah, this also brings up... Yeah, well, sorry, sorry. It was it was kind of pre or kind of with the Muhammad Ali kind of movement because you got to understand as mm-hmm. a high schooler, he had a different name, right? So when yeah, he got he drafted, converted. he yeah. got drafted into the NBA's when he switched his name. So it was, again, it's kind of like an that transformation, that nation of Islam, and and that whole True. process. But to be honest, I don't I don't even want to go down that road. I think honestly, it's just it has to do with. The persona is, is he was very humble. He wasn't a person that kind of came Jordan out. Jordan was a shark. Yeah, well, this is Jordan it. Jordan was a shark. He just bossed people and just did it in a nice way and kind of shook your hand, mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of noise. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why. Also, again, true. With, with the messy, with the messy kind of situation, like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ronaldo. I love Ronaldo. I still think probably he's the best. I have to put it. Out. I agree with that. As a United fan, I guys, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Around. What do you mean? What do you he's mean? a good player. He's, he's a very I, good player, I think Ronaldo. Cristiano but I mean, Ronaldo is the best footballer in the history, the most rounded athlete footballer. Can, but I think and, and I mean, continues, I to bring up continues. a really good point. Mm-hmm. But I think you guys bring up a good point, which is the situation of like best of all time or, 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 or goat, goat, greatest of yeah. all time. But, um, and I think that that's a very difficult way to kind of like, you know, characterize and an overall. Because I think, no, I mean, I think different athletes different. have, yeah, exactly. It's all about when you were playing, where you were playing, who you were playing with, and who you were exactly. playing against. Exactly. That determines, right, you know, how good you were um, to the sport. So, you know, I mean, we, we've, always, we've always spoken about this as well. You know, people that were great in the 1950s in football like Pelé and in the 1960s, you know, how would they fare in the game today with it being so fast and so physical and, you know, with pinpoint cameras and bar and all that stuff. So it's always up for debate. I think the impact these players have is the way that they're able to transform the game in audiences' imagination, right? So Michael Jordan transformed the game in our imagination. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did the same thing. Magic, Ronaldo does the same thing. Messi does the same thing. A lot of people... A lot of players out there have mad skill, but they don't have that ability to elevate the way yeah, you interact sure. with the game. You know what I mean? Consistency, consistency, consistency. Man, I always tell people, honestly, in life, one of the most underrated things, and it goes honestly across the board, 
And, and you talked about it earlier, right? With, with your writing, that ability to consistently sit down and put it, put it on paper mm -hmm. is the difference between being an average writer, uh, being able to actually put out a book or not being able to put it out. And, and I think that That's right. element is not, we, you know, we talked about it is we live in a world where people want instant gratification. People want, you know, to feel things immediately. And unfortunately, that's not how life works. Success comes with consistency. Uh, all of these things, these conversations around goats, why are they goats? Because they don't do it for one year. They don't just flash, come and, and boom, make an impact. They do it consistently over mm. a period of time. Right. That does, you don't develop that skill. You don't develop that kind of impact by just sitting every day on your ass and just True. watching Netflix. You go and you work. Right. And, That's and right. I think it's a very I mean, underrated it, thing. And it, it also, is, you know, it's largely determined by how privileged you are. You know, I mean, athletes are really privileged in the sense that they're able to support themselves and their families by doing something that they love. You know, when it comes to more practical things like writing, I might, I mean, I'm not the best writer in the world. I'm just privileged enough right now to have a situation where I can dedicate time to writing. If I was a single mother out there, you know, working two jobs, you know, she might very well be a much better writer than I am, but just doesn't have the luxury of putting forward that kind of consistency as well, right? This is, look, that's a, that's a very interesting kind of view. And, and I, I would want to challenge that. I mean, naturally, uh, look, we, we all came from upbringings where we were very fortunate. Absolutely. Right? We got to be honest about yeah. that. We're definitely sitting on the higher side of life, you know, in terms of what how we grew up um, and the challenges that we faced. But again, again, and I stress this point and I can't stress this point enough, which is if you have a drive, a willingness to really push and really want to do something, you have a dream that you want to chase. It's not going to come by thinking about it. It's not going to come by, no. you know, feeling like, oh, I want to do it or feeling privileged like you deserve it. If you're not going to go put in the work, learn, right? And we talk about our podcast and all the bullshit that we've put out. If yeah, had, no. it not, had it not been for learning through six, seven painful experiences where we sit and talk to ourselves and realize that it's not recording or whatever it is, right? In that same way, I think the single mother, I think people that are struggling, there's always time, man. There's 24 hours in a day. I, I'm putting that challenge out there. I think you can make it. I mean, it's, you, can, you can always make it's it. It's good to put out the challenge, but at the same time, we need to put out the resources for people to be able to fulfill that yeah, challenge. And that's why it's so important, right, to have, you know, a society that values creativity, that values the labor of a mother, that values, you know, unwaged labor and the way that we do so that people can have the ability to create and produce and put out content and practice sport and, 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 and do innovative things in a way where they're not constantly struggling with trying to put food on the table. And that's what I'm talking about. I think true, there needs to be those true. things out there in the community. But you, you, can't, you can't ignore the fact that the common denominator in all situations is hard work. That's it. Whether you're I don't think or people... Not. Yeah, I don't think people are, are, are naturally inclined not to excel. I think people are 
more inclined to survive. And I think that once they've taken care of the survival bit, that's when they can excel. True, right? true. And I think like Namir, like Namir alluded to, you know, us, the three of us in our social circles, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, we grew up being, you know, well-fed with a food to, with a roof over our heads. And, and, you know, we come from parents who, you know, put an emphasis on education and hard work. So all these things allowed us to be able to come out there and try to create and try to yeah. write. But I think, you know, no I'm excuses. sure it would be very different for us. No, I, I, I agree. It's not an excuse. As no, much no, as but I, I'm saying, I'm saying what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we, us, definitely don't have an excuse. We, we, we're not mm-hmm. in a place. That's right. We're not in a place to sit and say because because of no, this, no, absolutely because not. of that. But you gotta, you can't forget that, you know, from our collective history, we've all been in some really hairy situations or times in our life where we could have, there was a fork in the road where you could have gone left or right yeah. and it, you, you went back to your upbringing or your education huh? or whatever it is that, that put you but in But or your path. support or your support network. True. And that's what I'm True. talking about. The support network is so important, man. You know what I mean? Because, absolutely. yeah, you know, all of us went, went through situations where you're absolutely right, Leif. You know what I mean? We could have had a much different trajectory for our lives, but it was the support of our friends and our loved ones and our families that, that enabled us to go through. The point of the discussion is just so we don't like end up going on some philosophical tangent is that creativity is something that needs to be valued in our society. You know, the work that you guys are doing with this podcast, you know, I wish that there was, uh, you know, a, a bigger platform that people can hear your content on. And I know that you have to work hard for it. Um, but I also feel that I hope that the, the, the media level, uh, the media playing field rather would be a bit more level, but I know that with good content and you, know, you guys are really smart, you guys are out there putting out cool content and again, very consistent. And I think it's well-produced and I think the sound quality is great. And I, and I'm just really happy to see that you guys are out there and hopefully I can come back and, uh, and be a guest uh, in different times and in different sessions. Uh, you will, uh, brother. Sessions. You will. Much love, you much will. love. And honestly, on that note, and I think this is the time to kind of wrap it up. And, and Ahmed, honestly, there's not enough time for this, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's just the beginning. Why, just the beginning. This is, this is why you're going to come back. And like you're saying right now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a movement and we're really trying to give a voice, not just for ourselves, but in general. Like, I, I think we're living at a time that's kind of crazy. We're all cooped up and we're all trying to just do something. And, and we tried to grab this opportunity and kind of capture something that we've been chasing for a long yeah. time. But it, honestly, thank you, Hamoudi. You're a superstar. Love you guys, man. You're love you guys. We admire, we love. Likewise, man. Likewise. Down inside. And I think, I hope I love. people appreciate all the amazing things that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this podcast and, and pulling through with us. As usual, subscribe like share tell your friends and yeah we'll catch you on the flip side man see you later buddies see you hamoudi much love peace out